0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the six-year history of Star Wars The Clone Wars by discussing each and every episode and episode arc. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, to discuss these episodes is my good friend and co-host, Kieran. I am doing
1: fantastically well, Mr. Jones. I am looking forward to discussing this arc. A famous character, one of the one of the fan favorites, and it's, it's been a long time coming, but we finally get to see and talk about Boba Fett. Yes,
0: d clone. So we will be discussing the episodes Death Trap, R2 Come Home, and Lethal Trackdown. Uh, Kieran, do you have episode descriptions for us?
1: Okay, I do indeed, Dominic. A young boy wages war against. Jedi Knights who left him orphaned, bitter and alone. That's the Death Trap. R2 come home. When a band of bounty hunters leads Anakin and Mace into a deadly trap on Vancor, it's up to R2-D2 to battle his way back to Coruscant and warn the Jedi. And finally, Lethal Trackdown. After combing the Coruscant underworld for a young fugitive, Flo Koon and Ahsoka pursue him to Florham for a climactic confrontation.
0: Yes, yeah. So these were some pretty major episodes, of course, the season finale of season 2. And uh wow, they were very well done. Three of the absolute best episodes in the series if you ask me. And and I'm not like I like Boba Fett as a character. I think he's interesting and he looks cool and stuff, but I'm also not not a Boba Fett. Thing. You know, I'm not Boba Fett isn't my favorite character. I don't not a Vandalorian, as some people like to be called, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was definitely a worthy addition to his story, I think, uh, overall. Um, and one thing that I really liked these episodes did was they started off the first episode without giving away that Boba Fett was sort of the main the main villain. I mean, all of us that you know were were, on, uh, were watching the previews and stuff, we knew it was coming. We, we had heard about it, I think, all the way back at, in the summer. Uh, before season two, there had been some hints that Boba was coming and it was – so. but it was played off where if you didn't know it was happening, there was a great reveal. I remember talking to two, of, two, two people I knew who watched the show and they didn't really, but they didn't really follow it the way the way I did. And so they were like, yeah, I was just watching the episode. And I think, you know, what's, what's this clone going to do? Is he going to be the one that saves it? Or is he just, like, the evil one? And then he's like, then he says he's Boba. And I'm like, whoa! It was, and, you know, it was played <laughs> off so well that, you know, if you didn't know what was going on, you know, until he says, oh, this is Boba into that comm link, you're like, you had no idea what you, and had no idea it was coming. I mean maybe you guessed it, but you know, it didn't seem like it you know, it didn't seem like the kind of story mm. that that you were expecting, I guess. But at the same time it makes perfect sense, Boba Fett trying to kill uh Mace Windu. Well so let's let's talk about Bobo. Let's just get him out of the way because he's he's the big guy. <laughs> um you know this arc you really see him he seems conflicted. He doesn't really know what he what he wants. Um, so what did you think of, of Boba in this arc? Well, Boba Fett has
1: always, always been an intriguing character, as you said, for the Star Wars fans, particularly when you see him in Episodes 5 and 6, and you obviously want to find out, out a lot about his backstory, and really linking on to what you see in Episode 2, this is, in this arc, really a... a a similar disposition to that of episode two in terms of his attitude and his demeanour. He hasn't really evolved as a character at this stage. The only thing that really has is his objectives of killing Mace Windu, because obviously vengeance is at the forefront of his of his goals here. But in in, in the arc I I do enjoy Boba Fett more, more in the later arcs that we see of him. In this particular arc you can really it's it's not frustrating because i understand what the writer's are doing and and really what felony mentions clearly in in the death trap episode is that boba fett has no conception of morality at this point of right or wrong but he's starting starting to identify and acknowledge that through the situations that he has been put in i.e. with taking those hostages, as we see in, in um, R2 Come Home and Lethal Track Down. And I- even in Death Trap, when when he doesn't manage to kill Mace Windu in his quarters, and then Aura Singh suggests that he blows up the starship, he's suddenly like, whoa, I don't, I don't want to do that. It's not my brother. It's not the clones. They've got nothing to do with this. And then Aura Singh's like, oh, just grow up, and we'll touch about her character a little bit later. But Robert Fett is really, as you said, conflicted in in his in his actions in this particular arc, he doesn't... He, he, he's, he's still determining the, the, the idea of right and wrong. He, he, he wants justice. He wants to kill Mason because he killed his father, but at the same time, he doesn't want to have any collateral damage. He, doesn't, he, he, always, wants, he always wants to care, care for the clones. He, he sees parts of himself in, in, in the clones. He, <laughs> no, he also sees himself as being better than them because... He is this unaltered clone, as um, as the Kaminoans have put it, to Django Fett. So what did you think of Boba Fett and his character in, in this arc, Dominic?
0: Well, I, I thought he was very interesting. He's, he seemed in this arc to be a much more tragic character than we'd ever seen. I mean, we got a little hint of that in episode two, where, you know, father dies and that whole, that whole thing. Um, but in this arc, you know, he really... You know, if we hadn't seen The Empire Strikes Back, if we hadn't seen, if we didn't know where he was going, you know, you kind of felt like he was, you know, the troubled kid who would, who, you know, in the right situation could be turned around and become a, a good guy or go off and live some other life. Um, When it turned out, <laughs> you know, he really, things didn't work out that way because, well, Honestly, I blame Mace Windu, <laughs> um, and we'll get to that uh, when we get to the end. But you know, like he, he seemed—you know—his conversations with Admiral Killian, even uh, with Plo Koon and Hondo, and you know, when he realizes that Orus Singh has abandoned him, you really feel that he, he he had a chance, and the Jedi had a chance in this arc to turn him around, but instead they they messed up, and well, he winds up. Uh, turning Han Solo over to Boba F- or over to Darth Vader in, in *The Empire Strikes Back*, and it's like if if you had it, they had a done things slightly differently. You know, IG88 might have been the guy to catch Han Solo. The whole saga, we might have a different uh, different uh, lead bounty hunter. But of course, hmm. things didn't work out that way. Um, well, link,
1: well, linking on to that. What would you say to some fans then that? that really perceive Boba Fett as just being this whiny kid because I have seen that also in some of the in the comments of this arc as well, which is that he resembles a bit like Luke Skywalker. I wanted to go to Dutch Station to pick up those cat power converters.
0: Yeah. Well and, I, I, and
1: I, he can Skywalker. I feel like I'm with you that he has a legitimate legitimate motivation here that his father's been killed off. So different circumstances, wouldn't you say?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think he has he has reasons for what he's doing. I uh, in He's obviously after revenge, and he, you know, he he wants to do it so badly that he's not necessarily thinking things through. And let I mean, let's be honest, he's still a kid. He's what, twelve, thirteen? He's mm. still capable. He's still gonna at at that age. He's still gonna be whiny and stuff. So I I don't see the I don't see why you know what people expected him to be. Is so. Early on in his in his development, I mean, when we see him later on, he's he's obviously not not as whiny. I mean, look at where he is in seasons four. Mm. He's, he's definitely definitely uh, grown on grown up from from his adventures and this arc. So I I don't I don't know I don't have a problem with the way he was portrayed. I think you know he was portrayed with a lot of pain and a lot of you know bent up hatred for Mace Windu, and he was blinded by it and. As a result, made a lot of bad mistakes, which turned out to be really bad for for everybody. So mm. I, I don't I don't blame Boba for. Well, I, I do blame him, but I, I for what happened. But I, I don't blame him for those emotions. You know. Yeah. Very well, there's other factors emotions. in play
1: here. Really, that's that is the point here. Is that as you said, a lot of this. Whilst you could argue that it was his particular act. Attitude and and personality that have led him down and that has led him down this path and obviously growing up with Django Fett as really this figurehead and an idol as his father, it's obviously going to influence him and then the influences with Aura Singh etc. But I mean, as we'll touch upon later, I feel like Mace Windu has certainly got a major contributing role to play with regards to arguably Boba Fett's you could argue downfall or yeah absolutely. To, to other because it is as you said, it's he's a tragic character and I think that's really important and really, really fascinating to to discern in this in this arc, but also episode two because that's what's so good about the Clone Wars is that you get to really abridge a lot of what took place in episode two for a character like Boba Fett to what he then becomes in episode five and six because all we see in episode two is his father's death, but we don't see any reaction or the effect that has on Boba Fett until we get to the Clone Wars.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, in Episode Two, we just see him, you know, holding the helmet and and looking sad, and then you know he's had some time to sort of basically, you know, you know he didn't he didn't really grieve properly. There's he like he said he has no one, and so he turned his, his grief into hatred for Mace Windu and wound up teaming up with Aura Singh and and Bosk and Castus to go out there and try and take down Mace and you know Boba it, it would have been inter- Boba's very interesting you know he, he you know you wonder what would have happened to him had Django Fett survived I mean would he mm-hmm. he still probably would have become a bounty hunter I, I guess but I you know Django Fett's death almost could have almost been sort of a turning point for Boba where he went on to do something better um but because he was so alone and because you know Mace Windu didn't give him up uh, anything when they when they finally met face to face. They kind of he continued to hate and went to prison where he learned from Cad Bane and 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 Bosk and gets out and starts leading a bounty hunter crew. So he's you know he, he is this arc really portrays him as a tragic character and. You know, it it, it it's kind of sad, especially with that with the music in this arc. You know, there's he has sort of two themes that sort of that evil one mm. that goes with Oris a Sing as well, but there's also like that really sad one where it's like you really feel for him and you almost want him to, even though you know he's not, you want him to be good, you want him to wind up being good. It's kind of mm. like. Kind of like Anakin in episode one. You you know that this kid's going to turn into Darth Vader, but you you see him and he seems so nice and sweet, and mm. you just would love for him to not turn to the dark side.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like for Boba Fett's character, he, it, the death of Jango Fett impacted him in, in such a way that he had to grow up faster. And you see that with characters in many other franchises. One of them that stood out to me was, there's no spoilers here, but say Magneto in X-Men. Sure. the being departed from his parents, he took on a course similar to Boba Fett in this regard of vengeance and and trying to find the people that that obviously hurt him and tortured him um, because of his because he was a mutant. Um, and so obviously it's similar and different circumstances, but the, the main similarity there is how you know tragedy in a person's life, namely. Whether it is the death of a parent or loss of loss of parent, loss of parental contact, it's of course going to have an impact on the individual, and it's usually going to end up in a negative way because you have that, you don't have that figurehead, you don't have that father or or mother to to look out for you and and teach you that teach you how to grow up or and really look and really be there for you in time in times of dire need when you're having to make these tough decisions for them to be the guiding hand and saying, No, this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. However, in fairness to Boba Fett, he had got Django Fetters he had Django Fett as a father and it seems though the bounty hunter way of life was always destiny for Boba Fett. That was always where he was gonna end up. But the type of bounty hunter and and as I said, his demeanour and temperament Really, as you have said, uh, as well, altered after his father's death. And you see that with the type of, he, with the type of, uh, of bounty hunters that he hangs out with. with the likes of Aura Singh and Bosk and Castus, but not for long. Uh, <laughs> no, unfortunately. Not. Yeah, poor Castus. Uh, ah, well, I don't have much sympathy for him. I was <laughs> Aura Singh. Yeah, shoot the guy. Sure. Uh, more hot- <laughs> That's, well, I hope that doesn't say much about my temperament, but <laughs> just when I was seeing him on, 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 uh, in Lethal Trackdown. But, and, and Hondo as well, he would have an influence on him. Uh, we'll come on to talk about Hondo in a bit. But yeah, Boba Fett, is just to abridge this, I guess, that he really is presented and portrayed, as you said, as this tragic character. And we do feel sorry, uh, we feel remorse for him because of the death of his father. And we actually get to see his character development as a consequence of this arc as, as to how he deals with the situation. And ultimately, as you said, he ends up in prison. And of course that's going to have an adverse effect on him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. It's, 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 it's sort of the, the next step in his, in his development as a bounty hunter. You know, we sort of saw him in episode two as this kid and he, you know, when Django died, yeah, that was sort of the beginning. That was sort of the first step. And this was the next step where it put him in a place where he would wind up learning how to, how to become tougher and, and, and how to deal with these sorts of things. And, you know, who knows with whatever the future, future films or TV shows Will hold for Boba Fett. I mean, you know, he was just uh, supposed spin-off to, yeah spinoff films. Yeah, he was supposed to be the main character in 1313, but that's gone. I, really, if they're they going to do a Boba Fett spinoff film, I'd rather they just adapt the the story of 1313 into mm-hmm. in, into the spinoff film. I think that would be that would be most interesting. <laughs> that's that's the story I really want to see for Boba Fett. Sort of that that final step into being the the bounty hunter we see in in, a, in Empire Strikes Back. But, but let's move on a little bit. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll get back to Boba many many times uh, throughout this. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Admiral Killian, the, the Scottish Republic Admiral. <laughs> um, he was uh, he he was definitely he was one of those characters. that um, you know, kind of have to like him. I, I mean, he's sort of this old school kind of guy where you know the whole thing where he had to go down with his ship and he sort of. You know, sort of when Anakin and Mace were trying to convince him to leave, he's like, I don't expect you to understand, Jedi. You know, it was like (laughs) he wanted nothing to do with the Jedi way. And he sort of, I guess he, maybe he represents, you know, we see Yularen and Killian and Tarkin as these sort of these Republic officers. They aren't clones and they aren't, um, uh, and they aren't Jedi. So they're in this, this war where they're surrounded by these two pe- these two factions that are completely different from them. And they are sort of, we know that at least Tarkin and Yularn become key key people in the Empire. Um, so, you know, you, you have to wonder, you know, if there is kind of that, there's always sort of a tension between the Republic officers and the Jedi. I mean, did you get that sense? From this guy,
1: absolutely, because there was so frequency in the confrontations between, I guess, the ideologies of the Jedi and and Admiral Killian in particular. But just in general, these these Republic officers, because their, their disposition in a way is so distinct from the Jedi and their philosophies, that they could never really. I guess, unify in terms of their their ideals and their actions as well. So the sure. Jedi can't really understand that, as you said, Admiral Killian wants to go down with his ship, and they're, they're trying to do their best to persuade him, whether it is through coercion, by basically saying, this is an order, you must not go down with your ship, we, we save lives, this is what we do. And then he you know, opposes that, challenges that, and says, well, hang on a minute, but this is what I do, I have to go down my ship. And it's the same tone that Admiral Trench used as well in um, Season 2, that a captain must always go down the ship. Yolaren also made a mention of that as well. So I, I, I can understand their philosophies here. And really, if you want to respect the Jedi philosophy, then in a way you should also respect the philosophy of other people, such as other, other characters and the species that we've seen throughout here, such as the Lerman who believe in peace and they don't want to get involved in this war even though again the jedi were trying to persuade and as you said convince them that this was the right thing to do there's, there's no way you can't avoid it and in a way they were justified in their actions but there are certain sections and groups and last week obviously we talked about mandalore and how Jut- duchess Team wanted mandalore to maintain their neutrality in this war along with fifteen hundred systems so really it, it's just again showing more questions towards the Jedi Order in their particular philosophy and and really how they they can't really correspond the, the, the ideas of the Jedi to those of other contingents who don't have the same philosophy which is just really fascinating to to discern really and and again it just it just paints the Jedi in this Different and unique image that we didn't really get in the films. We saw the tragic downfall of the Jedi, but through the Clone Wars, again, I like to talk about the bigger picture here. We really get to see how these different groups, um, actually interact with the Jedi and how their ideas, how their ideas and actions distinguish themselves from the Jedi. Not everyone who is supposedly fighting on the side of the Jedi or supposedly good, um, necessarily. <laughs> Wants to wants to agree to these ideas. No, I mean, what, what did you make of Admiral Killian and and the and the Jedi philosophies and how they differed?
0: Yeah, well, it it, it kind of makes sense for how you know the, why these guys would stay involved after the Jedi are gone. If there's always if they've always been, you know, there's always been this tension between them. Then you know it would make sense for you know Admiral Killian and and even Yularen and 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 of course Tarkin to you know sort of say okay, well, you know, this, now that the Jedi are gone, we can do things our way. We can do things the right way. We don't have to worry about, you know, this Jedi philosophy that, you know, is not something that 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 they're familiar with or that they really subscribe to. So it, it it's good for them. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, but at the same time, you know, we're kind of, kind of talking about how they sort of are also capable of becoming the, the Empire. We also see that, you know, Killian is it is a good person in, in this this arc so you know makes sense that why we don't see him in in the in episode 4 um, and of course you know the whole being made you know 30 years apart and all that but um you know he he's uh he's he seems like a good guy he seems like he's trying to do the right thing because you know he, he has he has some interactions with boba fett and boba where he's you know being kind to boba and you know his t- when he's talking with the with the clone cadets in 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 the first episode, you know, of course he does his little you know tough guy I'm the admiral thing at the beginning, but then he he's kind of almost turns it into a game when the uh, <laughs> when the when the bomb goes off and they have to evacuate the cadets, he almost turns it into a game, so he he seems like he's you know he's not he's not evil like Tarkin. <laughs> Uh, but then, you know, you wouldn't think that Yularn would join the Empire either. And, uh, well, you know, we know how that turned out. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's move on a little bit. Let's let's talk about Aura's thing, because we, we're introduced to her in, in, in this first episode as well, briefly. Um, she's definitely sort of the, the mastermind behind everything that's going on, and she's quite, quite evil. Um, and she's a character that we sort of, she was almost the Boba Fett of the prequel trilogy. You know, she she had less screen time than Boba. She had barely a second in Episode One, uh, watching the pod race, And there had all there had been a bit of build up around her with action figures and concept art and stuff. And then she was just in the movie for you know only a few seconds, and then got built up in in comics and other things and other media ar- around ar- ar- around the production of the prequels, um, and and so. I have to ask, uh, did she live up to, you know, your expectations for a Sing, or did you really even have any expectations for a Sing? I don't, I didn't really have major expectations for a character coming
1: into this. I, I recognize that, as we're going to call it now, the Legends universe, there was a lot of material based upon Orsing Sing uh, having force powers and wielding lightsabers and, and things like that, but clearly that didn't come to pass in in the Clone Wars and so I guess there was a mixed reaction from fans in that regard but I really really enjoyed her character I think she was the the pinnacle of evil in this episode she was so convoluted i.e. she was sadistic vicious and twisted but it it really worked and and the the portrayal by Jamie King is is fantastic in this episode and she obviously voices other characters later in the show which she does a fantastic job, I have to say. Aura uh, Singh is just, it, it is just the ideal villain in this. And and for her to be this, this I guess, not necessarily idol, but in, inspirational almost for, for Boba Fett that that is the person that he's looking up to, then it really, really foreshadows and adumbrates his future as well, his future temperament and demeanour if he is being taught by someone like Aura Singh. Um, obviously, she escapes... And she abandons Boba Fett, which, which again is going to have another, another swaying impact on how his character develops. And obviously we don't want to talk everything about Boba Fett, but it, 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 her character really is intertwined closely with Boba Fett. How, how she acts as a, I guess, polar evil or malevolent character personality contrasted with the Jedi, so to speak, or. I, it's difficult to see what other influences in terms of good, you know, qu- quotation marks there, um that, that Boba Fett really has on his life. So, I guess I'll throw that back at you, because I don't know the answer, but first good. of all, like, what did you think of Aura Singh, and do you think that, um Boba Fett really, really had a chance of, I guess, not, not becoming what we see in episode 5 and 6, based on his so-called mentors? Did you, i.e., Have you seen a good mentor that has had at this time, <laughs> <Or> not
0: really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, first off, I don't think Boba really had any good mentors. I mean, he got a little bit from Hondo and a little bit from Plo Koon in in the last episode. I'm not
1: really say Hondo's a good mentor. <laughs> but well,
0: he told him he told him to be honorable and and, and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I, I know it's <laughs> yes, yes. But you know, <laughs> yeah. he he sort of gave him that like one bit of good advice. You know, Boba. You know, I, I think Boba if he had a had different mentors than he really could have been uh, a good guy, a good character. But because he didn't and because he was in so much pain and people saw this as a chance to, you know, capitalize on his pain, you know, Aura Singh and Castus and Bosk, they were only in this for the money when for Boba it was really personal. You know, Boba didn't. Boba wouldn't even have cared if he got paid if they killed Mace Windu. But the, all the other ones, they wanted you know proof that Windu was dead. They wanted hostages so they could sell them. Um, you know, it was, and even for thing, it might have been a thing where you know, if if I help this kid kill Mace Windu, then he'll forever be indebted to me. And you know, he, he if he is anything like Jango, then that is that could be very useful to uh, to her. And, you know, I would have loved to have seen another uh, confrontation between Boba and Aura later on in the series, and we might have gotten that in uh, some of the never-produced episodes, and who knows, maybe they'll be released as a comic book someday, or... Perhaps even another episode if they ever get around to it. Um, uh, but
1: Emmy Emmy Award winning, yeah, well. Emmy
0: back to back Emmy Award winner, yeah. And hold on, yeah, let's let's stop. We'll get back to the discussion in a second. Yeah, uh, they, last last week or just just this past weekend, really, they announced as of as of the time of recording, they announced that the Clone Wars won the Emmy for Outstanding Special Class Animated Programming. Uh, this is the second year in a row it has won it, and in theory it could win 3 years in a row if uh if the lost missions get nominated as well. And i think that would have to be some kind of record where after a show got canceled it won 3 back to back uh emmys for uh outstanding whatever its class is. <laughs> and that would madness. Be, that would be madness. madness. Yeah. Absolute madness that the Emmy Emmy award winning show uh, didn't make it through. Um, but yeah, it, it would have been great to see some kind of confrontation, see what Boba's reaction to seeing her again would have been. Would he have been happy to see her? Would he uh, have wanted to kill her? Would he have, you know, would have been very interesting. Um don't no, no, what
1: Aura Sings it is actually, yeah. me, so that could be linked. Who yeah, knows? Who knows? <laughs> That'd be interesting. But anyway, sorry, carry on, talk about Aura Sings. Yeah I, was gonna say, yeah, Ar- yeah,
0: I was going to say Aura Sings, yeah, she was, she was great. She was the, sort of the evil bad guy. A, you know, she was definitely the brains of the operation. I mean, you know, Boba was trying to constantly, you know, trying to take control, but she was really but she was really the one in control. Um and then, you know, but she also, you know, she really pretended to care about Boba. She obviously didn't actually care, you know, when that uh that thing, that piece of the ship, nearly falls on him, and and our two come home. She just sort of looks at him and shakes his ha- shakes her head, and continues, uh, <laughs> continues walking. It's and, and just sort of you know like, huh? Well, you know, you almost died, but that would suck for you. Um, mm. You know, she was. Well, I might
1: challenge you on that. Actually, I I actually think she did care for him, but obviously not really? as much as her own skin. But I think she did have some relative feelings. So. I, really, I just.
0: Mm. I think I, I think I, I, she was she was just in it. She was in it all for herself, and she didn't. She, you know, Boba was just a tool for her. She, Boba was a tool to get paid, and you know, she was using his hatred of Mace Windu to you know go after Mace. And you know, if she wants to kill Jedi, and killing Jedi is is obviously tough, especially in a war. So if you have somebody who looks just like all of the soldiers in the Republic Army, yeah, let's use him and blow up Mace Windu, and then. You know, if they can prove it, they take his head to Count Dooku and get a nice payday.
1: That is true. I mean, overall, I would argue she was very selfish and and sordid, but I still feel there were a, a couple of elements. I mean, re- when she ran off, <laughs> ran off uh, after the the confrontation with the Jedi in that barn scene, yeah, she did look back and was like, "Boba, come, come." And then when it was quite obvious that he wasn't going to escape, she legged there, but at the same time, I'm thinking to myself, well, in fairness, if she tries to save him, she's going to get caught, and I understand as well that if you really did care for someone, you would do it, I guess, regardless, but it, wasn't, it was a no-win situation there, really, if she she had tried to save him, Fokun already had him, Ahsoka was chasing her, she would have been captured, there was no way she, she was going to save him. So uh, at, at heart, she had obviously self-interest, but I still believe there were elements where she did care, kind of, in, in, in her own perverted and twisted way. Her own
0: weird <laughs> yeah. kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I I still just feel that she she thought he was just a, a means to an end, and or you know, if she was able to to train the son of Django, you know, if, if he has anything, if he's anything like Django, then and She can use him later on because he'll forever be dead to her, because she helped him kill Mace Windu. So I, I don't know. I I I have a hard time buying into it that that she had any, you know, real caring for her, for him. Uh, you know, he, he, she, when he doesn't kill the trooper, you know, she threatens him, and you know, I, I just I don't know. I I never got any real sense of of caring from her. I, I don't know. It, it's you know, I think she was she cared about one thing you know getting getting paid and getting her money or or at the very least I think maybe it got to the past point where it wasn't even about money anymore it was just about finishing the job and killing killing the the Jedi and that's maybe that's the one that's I think that's sort of where you might have a point that she stuck with this job when really it was kind of ridiculous (laughs) at a certain point so maybe maybe I, I might give you that one that you know she stuck with it for Boba, perhaps, or maybe she's just crazy, <laughs> yeah. it's possible she's just crazy, um, but yeah, she, she definitely, um, she was, she was great, she was a great villain, know was, you know, some people were disappointed she didn't have her, uh, her force abilities, like she had in the Legends universe, but, you know, it's, whatever, <laughs> whatever, she, she still was able to, to do a lot of damage with just some blasters and uh, and, then, and an antenna sticking out of her head.
1: <laughs> well, I feel like this is, we've already well, we had that. Well, we got that, I should say, with a As- large ventress. Anyway, I thought that was really really interesting to see how obviously this isn't this is kind of related, but she obviously falls from grace and becomes a bounty hunter with false powers. So, yeah, if people were disappointed they didn't get that Avora sing, they they eventually got it of a As- Sarge ventress, and I feel it made it more interesting regardless because. I, I just, I, I don't know if I could really buy into the idea of having, or well, i say that when when obviously Sarge Ventress has just become a bounty hunter, but a particular Force user that, that maybe starts off as a bounty hunter, because then, oh, well, I, I don't know, I don't know. I think it, it would have been interesting, but regardless, I don't think it really diminished or detracted from her character. I feel like her character was vicious and sadistic, Enough, and she knew how to wield her blasters well enough. So I don't think we really needed to have a force user in in this group of bounty hunters,
0: so okay. to speak. Yeah, definitely. I, definitely, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think she she necessarily needed the needed the lightsaber <laughs> or the force powers in this. Uh, let, let's move on a little bit and uh, get into some of the stuff in R two Come Home. Uh, R two Come Home was where we're really introduced to, to the bounty hunter Castus, <laughs> um, and this guy was sort of the uh, the comic relief for the group, I, I guess. Um, he was uh, <laughs> constantly complaining and, you know, never happy with the way things are going. And uh, of course, the the my favorite bit was I've, I I was I wouldn't have signed on if I knew there was all this climbing. And then, um, <laughs> and Boba just goes, "Shut up!" and. The, they're arguing, and Oris thinks there's something along the lines. The next person who makes a noise is dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, um, what did you think of Castus? What, what did you th- I think of that guy?
1: Yeah, he, he really irritated me, and I was quite glad to see him get killed off. I think i said this before, but I just... I understand why he was there, but I was completely on... On Boba's side and or a sing side, because that guy was just a wuss. He was such a, he was a he was a coward, really. I and mean, he he clearly wanted the money, but he didn't want a big job. He clearly was out of his depth here on on a massive scale. Uh, you could see that. Obviously, when he had the hostages with the, the um, commander Ponds and Killian and clone trooper, whoever he is, <laughs> the other <laughs> clone trooper. Um you know, he was oh that'll do this'll fetch us a good worth and then Boba Fett's making a good case saying, Yeah, but if we get Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker, we'll get more money from Dooku and the Separatists. And he was like, No, 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 we can't do that, we can't do that. And it's just hang on a minute, where's your ambition here? Aspiration, you're a bounty hunter. Surely you want to get the highest amount and then afterwards he had like the cheek to then go and say when Boba Fett nearly got killed off, he was like, Oh well, this might might be a quote. Is this a quote of yours? No, nope, no, no. <laughs> no. All right. Well, when he went and said it's about Boba Fett, I was so, like, I hate to split the money three ways. Yeah, which was <laughs> actually quite funny. But it, it does go to show the bounty hunter the temperament. But I just found his character a bit, a bit too much, too gutless, really. If you if you want to be a bounty hunter, you, I feel like you need to. You, you're an outlaw, really. You're a vigilante. Well, not, okay, maybe not necessarily a vigilante, but, um, you know, you obviously work outside the law. What your work is really, um, <laughs> well, not necessarily illegal, but you're often murdering people, assassinating people, or trying to fetch a bargain by doing some, uh, illegal activity. And he really didn't seem to go out for the job. So, I, in a way, I'm not surprised that he got. murdered at the end.
0: Yeah, he was the one
1: that went down. He he was the one that went down, and obviously on that ship, he was like, oh, oh, I've had enough of this, it's getting too big for me, I can't deal with, you know, the Jedi, and it's all all going, it's all going pear-shaped, I'm just like, come on, mate, they're they're, they're onto something, even though you did say, in fairness, it was quite farcical, they carried on the job, but he clearly was, he was not interested at all, in um, getting, getting the big bucks, so to speak, but, maybe i'm being really harsh so I'll, I'll pass it on to you and 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 hear your opinions of castus
0: oh yeah no i i, <laughs> I agree with you I, I think he was just kind of a he was a weak bounty hunter i mean as soon as and he, and you know he really didn't have any of that that honor that Hondo Hondo hano Hondo was speaking about um <laughs> and you know he's as soon as as soon as he quits his job with Aura Singh, he tries starts trying to sell information to somebody else about what she's up to so mm-hmm. it's a it's really it's a bad uh he's, he's he's pretty bad at being a bounty hunter let's be honest he he sort of i think he he's the kind of bounty hunter who likes easy jobs you know he likes going and, and fetching the you know, the runaway alien, he doesn't want to go up against a Jedi, uh, and he was definitely, he was the one that was definitely in, in over his depth, whereas, you know, Bosk and aura Singh definitely knew what they were in for, and they were able to handle themselves, he was just kind of, he's just kind of there, and, and, you know, he, he didn't care about Boba at all, We you know, we can debate whether aura Singh cared, but he definitely didn't care. No, he did he did and not then, and then he's stupid enough you know within within earshot of Aura Singh to try and sell her out to somebody else so yeah, yeah well, uh, he's, well, he's yeah, definitely exactly. he's definitely in the uh you know worst bounty hunter ever um, conversation <laughs> his uh,
1: his fate was deserved as you said why even though it wasn't quite within his reach because she had that little device, but still she's they're in the same room and yeah like, yes some information that could be sold to the right people just just ask for a ship To get out and then talk about it after, or wait till she's left the room. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't. It was like a few meters away in Venice as well. It wasn't like she was, you know, outside or she was in the bar talking with other people. It's like, come on, mate. That's why you got killed off because you're a rubbish bounty hunter. So you don't deserve the title of a bounty hunter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely.
1: Scoundrel. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and so in, in this episode we see uh, uh Anakin and, and Mace wind up in a pretty terrible situation because of a, a well-placed bomb inside Jango Fett's helmet, um, and you know, we sort of see Mace finally realize what was going on and explain to, to everybody who Boba Fett is, remind you, you know, in case you've forgotten, this is what happened in episode two, um, yeah. and they, they get trapped, and and Anakin sends off R2, and you know this is again the sort of the difference between Mace and Anakin um, is you know Mace is like your R2 unit can feel he doesn't really trust R2 he thinks that R2 is just abandoning him, um, and you know Anakin obviously puts his, puts a lot of faith in R2 when really uh when when nobody else would and what does that say about Anakin that he's willing to to trust his droid to to do something is this does this come from you know, being a kid and, and building droids? Or was it uh, just from doing other... Was it this uh, something about Anakin? Or is it just something about Mace? That Mace is just like, I don't trust droids. We're fighting a for against droids. So what do you think?
1: Well, it's just another... I guess another problem that, that, that adds up to Anakin for Mace Windu. Really, the astromech's in my opinion, often reflect and symbolize the personality of the owner. So, R2 being unique, well, of course, Anakin Skywalker is uh, relatively idiosyncratic, i.e. he has also got this individual personality compared to other Jedi, which, again, Mace Weena doesn't get. In the same way he doesn't get why his otter unit has a personality and has feelings. He thinks why no Jedi has that or why on earth have you got it? It's just another thing to add to the reasons of mistrusting Anakin in that sense and I guess that's really it, is that the R2 is seemingly reflecting Anakin's personality. And in terms of Anakin's seeming as you mentioned perhaps his attachment to droids, well, he's obviously attached to a lot of things. He's attached to it, obviously his mother, which I I guess is fair enough. Yeah. And he's attached to his his wife and we won't go into the massive debate about whether it's love or attachment, but Principally, it's attachment, in my opinion, and I think you kind of concur with that in the sense that he is really just attached to Padme in the same way that he's attached to R2-D2. Is that, I mean, we obviously had those, those two episodes in season one, The Downfall of a Droid and Jewel of the Droids, wherein R2-D2 was seemingly destroyed. And, and Anakin went on a search party in, in attempts to pursue and 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 find R2D2. So he clearly cares for the droid, and and it's again another unique trait for a Jedi. Which bridging this again together is is the fact that Mace Windu doesn't get that. But in the same way that Anakin has always been attached to these droids, and and then it, it, also how how R2D2 actually emerges victorious he fulfills what anakin had instructed him which again is another surprise to mace Windu and often to jedi whenever anakin uses these so-called unorthodox methods to actually succeed in their task, to su- succeed in his task and that is the same way that r2d2 seems to do it that, that's kind of my impression is that the droid reflects anakin's personality or r2d2 reflects anakin's personality but what, what would you say to that
0: yeah, I, I think you you've, you got it right there. The droid kind of reflects Anakin's personality, and I think Anakin, just in general, trusts the droids better. You know, I mean, we had those uh, downfall of a droid episodes where Obi Wan calls Astromex you know, a dime a dozen. Whereas, you know, I think I think it does come a bit from uh, Anakin's, uh, you know, b- growing up building droids and being so close to droids all the time um whereas uh, whereas you know Mace Windu has always just kind of viewed the, you know Mace Windu probably grew up at the temple and just kind of viewed droids as droids and nothing special and and as a result he doesn't you know put the same kind of trust in his droid you know his droid gets its head pulled apart by some gun darks <laughs> um, <laughs> and then of course R2 you know really R2 is the hero in this episode he, you know, we have these great scenes of him, you know, just messing with the bounty hunters, you know, closing doors and dropping things on them, and, and, and just brilliant stuff, brilliant, hilarious, and then, uh, of course, escaping Slave 1, and then we get one of the my all-time favorite scenes in the series, when R2 goes bursting into the war room and he <laughs> knocks the other droid out of the way and the two droids get into like basically they start having a fist fight over who gets to be plugged into the thing and you know ahsoka has to go in there and break it up one it what is the you know as, as serious a moment as it is it's still one of the most hilarious things uh, that ever happened on the show and i, I absolutely love that sequence um and then, of course, we have the great rescue uh, by Ploku and Ahsoka and, and R2 and, and the Wolf Pack, and finally, Mace sees the value in in R2D2 at the end there, and and kind of you know kind of validates Anakin's way of of you know dealing with droids. I think I think maybe that's a a lesson that Anakin taught Mace. Do you I mean do you see it that way at all?
1: Absolutely, Mace really endorsed Anakin having this individualistic and, and and I guess idiosyncratic droid in person in terms of personality and that was that was something that I could really appreciate with mace winded because as many listeners may know I'm not his greatest fan but yeah. at that particular moment <laughs> I, I I respected that and when you get yeah, I mean mace is, mace is kind of like
0: <laughs> Mace is kind of like Boba. there are times when you think hey there's a chance for this guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I just feel like for for Mace Windu, when you get those compliments, they're often rare and, and seldom, and so you take them to heart a little bit more, I guess. And that was something to uh, appreciate. And I won't nip the quote because someone might say it, but Anakin's response also is quite funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I I generally do feel like Mace um, accepts and, as you said, has uh, validated Anakin having this. Attachment. Destroyed, droid with a unique personality, and and actually having a personality which droids don't usually have. Um, yeah. So that would be my my opinion on that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's move on to the the third episode, "Lethal Trackdown." Um, and this one starts off, you know, you have that great scene between Anakin and Mace talking about what they should do, um, and then they of course get the transmission from the bounty hunters, and we see that Boba can't bring himself to kill Ponds and this kind of goes back to this whole this whole arc with the with boba and anytime he interacts with the clones it's always especially the older ones it's always very very awkward you know there's a scene sequ- there's a sequence where uh, in, in death trap where he's lost and uh, you know he runs into some clone troopers and one of them calls him son and it's like you know with that voice him hearing the word son is like has got to you know be like a knife to the heart and then you know he's supposed to be blowing up the ship and there's that clone that really you know has no you know doesn't have a crazy hairdo or some tattoos or anything he just looks like Django, and he's he's just there and Boba can't bring himself to kill him he just stuns him of course he winds up dying in the explosion anyways but you know Boba (laughs) didn't actually pull the trigger and then in this one you know he puts the gun to Pond's head and he's he's pointing and he's pointing and he's He's about he's thinking about pulling the trigger, and he doesn't he can't bring himself to do it and then the Norris thing does it instead <laughs> um, and uh you know it 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 it's almost like he he sees these guys and they just remind him of his father, and it's almost like you know he's in the worst possible situation he wants to kill someone for killing his father, but this guy he wants to kill is surrounded by a bunch of people that look exactly like his father <laughs> and it's like. Oh man, you just feel you know it's it's weird. You almost feel sorry for him, just having that constant reminder of what he's lost. And it, but then it could also work as kind of a, a a motivator for him that you know all these people, all of these versions of his father, are working for the guy who killed him. <laughs> you know, it's 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 very mm. it's, it, you know it's one of those weird ways in this throughout this arc. This this arc makes you feel sorry for Boba Fett. And you know, it's like, oh, he can't bring himself <laughs> to kill him. He can't bring himself to kill him. But at the same time, you're like, oh, good, he can't bring himself to kill him. It gives you that glimmer of hope, but we know where it winds up. So what did you think of, of seeing Boba interact with sort of these, clo- these older clones?
1: Well, it's even more tragic if you look at it from that point of view, when you, you see, as you said, there's this glimmer of hope, and then it's snatched away because we see what he becomes at the end. And clearly this is, at this point in his life, he is really divided in in really as i said earlier the conceptual reality of what is right and what is wrong he wants justice he wants vengeance but he doesn't he doesn't want the clones or as they call him brothers to 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 be collateral damage in that which is understandable and as you said they obviously all look like his father and so it's obviously very difficult then to have to have to shoot them because it's like shooting your father, really, isn't it? And it defeats the whole purpose because he wants he wants revenge for Mace Windu not for Mace Windu killing his father, and yet every time he kills a clone, it will seem like he's committing patricide, and that's obviously <laughs> something that, that that Boba doesn't doesn't want, and, and it's not going to make him feel any better. So it's understandable that he can't bring himself to do it, and it, and, and in a way, you, you do root for that. And you and personally, whenever I see his character develop in this arc, I do. I feel a lot of sympathy and affiliation towards him with it with regards to the situation that he's put under. He obviously wants revenge, but he just can't bring himself to go too far. I, he, he can't bring himself to do what the likes of Aura Sing and Boss do, which is just execute at will, kill anyone just for money. He wants this particular target, but he doesn't want the clones to die. Um, whatever he... Whatever. Regards to the Jedi, he may not care too much about them, but at least with the clones, because they resemble his father far too much, and and as I said, that's something that you can really sympathise in that regard. But inevitably, it will—it's it's not really going to change anything because, as we'll see later in season four in particular, his his character arc suddenly takes a major, a major turn in my opinion. Uh, particularly his attitude and outlook there's a lot less conflict in his mind in season four than there is in this arc which is really interesting and intriguing as you said but um, I mean you kind of touched upon it but is there anything you want to kind of conclude in, in Boba Fett and his interaction with the clones?
0: Yeah I, I think the, the, the clones for Boba is just a constant remember, reminder of what he's lost Um and as a result, he he can't. Uh, you know, it, it, it's almost like he can't. He wants to do the right thing, but because he he always, he sees these guys working for you know his sworn enemy, as a result, he winds up doing the wrong thing. And it's it's you know it's it's a tragic story for 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 Boba Fett. It's uh, really too bad. It's really too bad. Yeah. Um, uh let's move on a little bit. Uh let's talk about what have we got still to talk about? We got lots to talk about, of course. Um Plo Koon and Ahsoka go off to uh to find Boba Fett and uh one of my favorite lines uh well I will not won't say it but Ahsoka asks uh, Plo Koon uh you know wh- why aren't they going to look for Boba where the last place they saw him and basically calls around and says, "Yeah, that's the one place we know he isn't. So why would we want to go there?" And, yeah. You know, it's one of those moments where in the series you're like, "Oh, that is a good point." You know, people people will often in other shows say that kind of thing, and then you realize, "Oh, wait, that's not probably the best idea." <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and it's some smart writing there. But they go off and they go into the lower levels, the underworld, and uh, and and they go into these these seedy bars, and I love the thing where, you know, Plo Koon space, basically says to Ahsoka, you're just causing so much trouble <laughs> in there, you know, <laughs> you get the sense that they go every bar they go into they sort of have to leave with their lightsabers drawn, <laughs> and they're getting into <laughs> some kind of fight and, and so uh, I, I have to ask you, what did you think of seeing uh, Ahsoka and, and Plo Koon on this mission together? Like, We've seen them you know, do little things here and there, but this is them on a on their own mission together and how does that compare with Anakin and Ahsoka on a mission? I think you get 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 the
1: feeling mood or ambiance if you want to call it of what life before the war was like for the Jedi that this would be a frequent visit to these nightclubs and bars. A bit like Obi Wan and Anakin in episode two when they went and found bounty hunter Zam Wessel in that bar yeah. Um, the, the, I can imagine these being regular, not necessarily contracts, but I guess assignments that the Jedi had to had to carry out and execute. Yeah. And I, I thought it was really cool to see that, to be honest. <laughs> um. I mean, I have my fair share of experience in bars, so I could relate more <laughs> to the people who were getting drunk more than the more than the Jedi. <laughs> Probably the Jedi acted more as the. <laughs> As the, I guess not the bodyguards or, or the people out front, the bouncers who are like pulling you away. So that would probably be me being pulled away. <laughs> um, but I, I thought it was really, really neat to see that and, and to see Ahsoka in, in a way to, to develop her, her Jedi skills, her powers have grown so much already in this season. Her, her arc is always interesting because I feel like we should be looking for the cl- we should. Be Looking at the Clone Wars through her eyes, and, and and that's really really interesting when we see that she's able to quiet her mind uh, in a tranquil state enough to be able to hear the thoughts of these drunken loonies who a lot of them were talking rubbish. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or, or the one the one who was looking at that the one who was dancing on the pole, like, oh, I really like her. Uh, no, I was like, come on, mate. Um, <laughs> and then she actually does find some crucial information, and that's really, really good, because it justifies her actions. And she does listen to Blo uh, in spite of his seeming con. Condemnation, con- condemnation, even, and 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 uh, deplore of Ahsoka's seeming actions, but it really is a fun scene. It's probably one of my favourite scenes of this arc, and probably of uh, of season two that I can remember. Um, it, it's certainly, a memory that is evoked in in season two is is them going into the bar, drawing their lightsabers. It's really, really cool, and yeah. it's really funny as well. The bartender's like, "Oh, I'm shooting up my bar today." Sounds like like it's not one of those old westerns. I'm <laughs> kind of just thinking about now that you can imagine that's what the, I guess, romantic view of the West would be like. Um yeah. The more I, it's maybe not legitimate, but it's, it's just really, really fascinating and captivating to watch. But I know you've mentioned it's uh, the underworld line one of your favorite lines. But what about the scene as a whole? Did you really
0: enjoy it? Oh, yeah. It was, it's it's really fun. I think, you know, you see Ahsoka go in there, and, you know, she's obviously disgusted by everything, and they had just had that conversation <laughs> about, you know, <laughs> them, you know, being... having to constantly... You know, she's not being very subtle. That she's being a bit too yeah. much like Anakin, and it's just not it's, discreet. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah, not very, not very subtle, as as Kuhn says. <laughs> and it, it's just, it's just brilliant stuff. And uh, and then when they go in there, and she sort of gets it. And she, she figures things out and you get the, the funny scene of all the different, uh, all the different, uh, people in the bar and what they're talking about. And (laughs) instead they, and she winds up finding the right people and eventually gets caught on and it's just, it's a fun scene. And then, so Flo Kun has to basically bail her out, (laughs) um, with his lightsaber (laughs) and, uh. And yeah, it's, it's just good stuff. I I really enjoyed that scene. As <laughs>
1: even then she's astute enough to recognise that by throwing money on the floor, they always like, hey, we'll take money, we'll take money, rather than, than shooting at the bar, which was also another another you know positive and and, and developing trait of her character that. she... He is becoming more shrewd and aware of, of certain situations and environments. I mean that is the type of place in nightclub where if someone threw money on the floor, everyone would probably try and pick it up. Not yeah. once, I'm not saying I've done that, but if that <laughs> was to happen I might do.
0: <laughs>
1: but it was it was a fantastic scene overall. Yeah. I have to concur.
0: Yeah, it's just a great scene. Um of course we also get the reveal that uh Hondo Onaka and, and Ora Singh at one point Woo-hoo! had a relationship. Yeah. Uh, now, that, there was a... There was a... a secrets revealed. Um, <laughs> yeah. That should be in season three. Yeah, there you go. Um, it was... Yeah, it's a surprise, but... Uh, surprising, but not that surprising, you know? It, it, you kind of... You could see how Hondo could wind up in that scenario. You could see him... Uh, him falling for... Or saying, you know, she's... She, she seems like his type. Let's just put it at that. Um, <laughs> and, and then, of course... Uh, Let's see, you know uh, uh, they they go into you know then there's the great line of course of uh of hondo, you know not mine i just, I, I hope you know when it comes to boba, <laughs> uh just great stuff, great stuff, and uh. Hondo won't help Oris Singh, and I thought that was interesting. What does that say about Hondo that he won't help her? Is is he just being smart, that you know he, he knows that you know getting involved in something like this, uh, with with Singh is is not a good idea, or is he, or, or is or is he being a bit of a coward? What do you think?
1: <laughs> I think he's treading carefully and and starting to learn from errors in the past where he has had dealings with the Jedi. Namely, when he captured Dooku, Obi-Wan and Anakin, which ended up very badly for him, and and later we'll see how badly that does end up for him in Season 5. On top of that, we obviously had the one with the farmers, (laughs) uh, the farmers episode and the crops, which again, uh, went pear-shaped because the Jedi got involved, so... I feel like, as soon as he knows that, he's calming his situation down and wants to take a neutral standing, which I actually admire him for in this episode. And I actually, this is the point for me which really turns in in favour of this character. I really, really love Hondo in Lethal Trackdown, and I think he's, (coughs) he is the standout character in that in that episode and I've got a number of quotes so I can't say them because I'm saving them for the end of Hondo um, mine in particular just makes me laugh so much but it's, just, it's it's great to see that he has this neutral standing and I wouldn't call him a coward because he has got involved with the Jedi before yeah. and he's willing to get involved with the Jedi in the future but I feel like he's just being smart now he's learning and thinking well if they're going to send Jedi down here it's probably not a good idea that I'll get involved and start shooting them so <laughs> I feel like he is, he's learning some of the lessons and actually starting to think, well, actually, and we also see this later, I can maybe use the Jedi on my side as a consequence. A bit like when Anakin needs some smuggling from someone, and he's like, oh, well, I can, I can make a profit out of this. You know how much Hondo likes to make profits. Yeah. A like, it's a bit like what well, I imagine Han Solo being like before episode four. Um, we don't see much of that because we see Han Solo as seemingly the good guy. Yeah, uh, he does evolve into that, but I, Hondo and Han Solo are very similar. And if we had someone like Hondo in the prequels, I feel like those who didn't appreciate it, um, who still don't, which I believe they should, I think they would appreciate it a lot more if they have someone like him because he is certainly a fan favorite in the Clone Wars, no doubt about it. But um, what about yourself, Hondo? In this arc, in this arc, what do you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. This was really the arc where I started to really enjoy Hondo. I, I, I like we've talked about, he was never. Our favorite character when we first saw him, but then, um, as we uh, as we continue to uh, see more and more from the character, um, it, it was we came to like him and he he became one of those one of those uh, you know Clone Wars fan favorites. And uh, when when uh, and this was sort of that moment for me. I, I definitely think this was sort of when. Hondo came into his own and became the character that everybody likes. Whereas before, you know, the first couple of episodes, looking back on it now, it's like, yes, yes, of course. Of course, this was Hondo. Hondo, we've, we've always loved Hondo. But when they first came out, it was like, eh, eh, this pirate guy, he's okay. Kind of funny. But this was, yeah, definitely. This was the moment that I think everybody kind of really realized how great a character Hondo is. I'm sure people realized from season one, but. Wasn't me. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about uh, the the fight at the end there. Um, you know, of course, you mentioned Aura leaves Boba behind, and uh, you know whether that means uh, she she cares about him or not is uh, still up for debate. And then, of course, we have Aura facing off against Ahsoka, and that was a, a great showdown. <laughs> Would you say it was a great, great? Uh, uh, Final, uh, final duel as the, as those two uh, did their little chase and and all kinds of stuff and, and apparently there was, was supposed to be a great showdown between Bosk and Plo Koon that wound up being cut. Um, oh, I'm,
1: I'm gutted about that. Yeah,
0: that's that's the problem with the 22 minute format. But uh, yeah, it was a, just a great showdown and then. Uh, slave 1 goes down, but Aura-Sing survives uh, somehow. And we'll be talking about that next time and uh, trying to figure out how exactly she survived that and, <laughs> and, and stuff. Um, but then, of course, we get to the uh, the final scene where well, actually, no, let's, let's talk about Boba and Hondo together for a second there, because they get they have their moment where plo takes, uh takes Boba to Hondo and sort of says, you know, talk some sense into him, talk some sense into him. And do you think that, uh, you know, what was, what was it about Hondo's advice? Was it just calling, uh, just, you know, saying that's what your father would have done? Or was it sort of the fact that it was coming from another sort of seedy underbelly type that it, it made, uh, Boba finally listen and do the right thing? Um, what do you think?
1: Well, I, uh, qu- quickly mention on that final duel, I just thought I would concur with what you said there it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, amazing answer to an incredible arc, which we'll talk about uh, when we come to final thoughts about this. But in, in terms of that line, it's definitely the, the, you know, the, the resemblance and the mention of his father there that, that really does it for, for, for Boba Fett that really turns him in favor of, of doing what Hondo has said because he really It's the whole point of his his so-called vengeance mission here is to kill Mace Windu as a consequence of Mace Windu killing his father. And that's what the whole arc has really, for Boba Fett, been about in his mind. That has been his primary objective. And, And so seeing, obviously, the clones resemble his father, that's been a difficult obstacle to overcome um, and as you said it we as we've said it, it's found it very difficult to, to kill them and I don't think he has. He stunned one of them, but I don't don't think he actually executed one of them. I don't think he could bring himself to do it. And so when Honda obviously mentions his father, he then he then starts to listen. And I don't think it's just because Honda was a, a, a another underworld type, because he he had that of Aura singing and, and she betrayed him and that's what he got really annoyed about in the end. He said, Well, you know, why should I help anyone? No no one's helping me yeah, I mean, he felt so betrayed, and and he, I do really feel for his character at that point because everything that he he in his perception already that he has believed in and and thought that someone like Aura Singh cared about, at the end of the day, she is a bounty hunter, and I'll, I'll concur on that point that she is out for herself principally, and that's something that really he took so so hard. He's already lost a father, he'd never had a mother, and Aura Singh, Aura Aura Singh was like that mother figure in a way, or the combination of. A mother but also the the demeanor of his father and so he found that incredibly difficult to take in my opinion and so i can completely understand why the mention of his father would bring him uh confident enough at least to to, to talk about it and and to tell folk where the hostages were um but what, what do you think about that
0: yeah i, I think it was you know he you kind of got the sense maybe he finally had somebody who was on his side, that, you know, Hondo, Hondo, you know, he kind of represented a similar kind of lifestyle to his father, and, you know, he was finally, you know, because when, when Plo Koon tells him to do something, Plo Koon is very much like Mace Window to him. You know, he, he sort of, you know, he represents the Jedi, and the Jedi are Boba's enemies, whereas when Hondo says, you know, this is what you should do, and I have the feeling that Boba probably knew that that was the right thing to do. Because when Plo Koon says, you know, these innocent men are going to die, you kind of got the sense that, you know, maybe Boba was about to tell him. He kind of looked down, he looked sad. And, you know, just having somebody from the same world as him say, you know what, this is the right thing to do. This is what you should do, was sort of his his final, his, his you know, finally somebody told him what he wanted to hear. Somebody he kind of respected uh, yeah. told him what he wanted to hear. And I think that's what made uh made him turn Plo made him let it, like made him tell Plo Koon what he needed to know because you know Hondo kinda of represented the life of his father in a strange kind of way. Uh, you know, they're both underworld type people.
1: I completely agree, I mean I didn't mention it but it coming from Hondo certainly certainly elevated and amplified the words that were being spoken there. Uh, for Boba Fett in, in a positive light for him telling where the hostages were and and, and as you said Hondo really embodies um, the Jango Fett in, in, in terms of that idol in, in the respect that he has had that respect and he comes from the same um, past and, and livelihood uh, yeah. job if you want to call it as his father and so certainly as, as you have said the fact that these words were coming out of the mouth of Hondo and Arca would have had much more greater impact or greater impact I should say on Boba Fett than just Fokun saying that or particularly Mace Windu he wouldn't have listened to Mace Windu said that no
0: definitely not <laughs> alright and well you mentioned Mace let's let's talk about it. that final scene um, you know, these, these episodes real. they needed that scene and I think they needed that scene to be a little bit longer <laughs> yes. um, because, you know, Boba sort of, you know, he, he owns up to his crimes. He sort of says, you know, I realize I've done some bad things, but you know, he still blames Mace and he makes sure Mace knows that. And Mace basically says, well, you're just going to have to get over it, kid. And, uh, uh yeah, not the best, uh, not the best strategy for dealing with somebody who wanted to kill you. and. You know, I think those final words to Boba is sort of the thing that he has to live with in his cell for the next year and a half until Cad Bane and him break out in season four. Um, so that's sort of the, that's kind of the sense I got from that. Um, and then, and you know, there was an alternate take of this, um, which was a little bit uh, where Boba was just, just angry the whole time, and uh, you know he spits on Mace Windu and insults him, and he says basically says next time there won't be as much collateral damage; it'll just be you. And uh, you know, it, it was sort of a darker ending. And really, I think this this ending really plays up the Boba Fett as a tragic character, like that you know, he, he realized what he did was wrong, and he was trying to almost make amends for it, and then Mace just kind of says. Yeah, you're still going to jail. You still, you're you're still evil. Um, I'm not going to apologize. I did what I had to do, I, and I, I don't care about you. Basically, um, what what did you take away from that scene?
1: Well, hearing about the alternate ending, I'd actually preferred that to be honest. Because really? I feel like yes, because I feel like that would really give the audience an impression of this darker path and i can actually understand the culmination of everything that's happened in this arc where he just breaks down when he sees mace windu not crying but just is so angry he finally sees him and he actually has the stomach to actually say you know because he's lost everything now Aura a singer's abandoned him he's going to jail even though he told hondo and owned up about the hostages <laughs> hondo wasn't gonna lie no, he wasn't going to be his father figure, was he? He just left him with the Jedi. He was arrested. He'd lost everything. He had he had nothing left, pretty much, and he couldn't he couldn't carry out his uh, sentence of trying to assassinate Mace Windu. So, what what did he have to lose? And I I feel like he's like, oh, I realised I did terrible things, but you all started it. Um, and I, and I I would have loved in that respect sounds quite quite forward, but I would have liked to hear. Boba Fett get more angry, I think there there needed to be more to that scene, whatever really happened, but I quite like the fact he he could have been much more angry, but certainly that line at the end, when as you said that Mace Windu says, well, you're just going to have to deal with it, is a line that's going to push him further over the edge and haunts him for the rest of his life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, I I don't know. I I I really like the way this arc played Boba as as a tragic character, and so I th- feel like the ending that it that they used was was more fitting. Um, whereas if if there hadn't because because of really because of the music because of there's that one sad theme and there hadn't been that sad theme and, and Boba had just been sort of a lot more cold blooded than he was, like if he hadn't been the one to kill Ponds, um, then uh, he probably wouldn't have. Uh, then, then I then I agree that the alternate ending or ultimate, alternate scene would have worked better but it, instead I I, I kind of like the way it ended this this way where it was sort of he was he was you know he was I, I got the impression he was legitimately sorry for everything that happened but he was still angry with mace and he was almost it was almost like he was he was giving mace the opportunity to try and make things right and mace screwed it up and he he made things worse and those words will haunt him and and we'll drive him back to Aura and or, or to people, maybe not necessarily her, but to people like her, to Cad Bane, to, to Moralo Ivald, to Bosk, to, you know, all these kind of people. And, and that's obviously not a good thing. <laughs> that's not a good thing for anybody. Um, definitely not a good thing for Han Solo, I mean, let's be honest. All right, so I, I think that's pretty much it, unless you have anything else you'd uh, like to bring up from these episodes.
1: No, I feel I feel that is that is most of it. Um, we'll move on to quotes and final thoughts then.
0: Yeah, quotes, yeah. So uh, do you have your quotes ready, or, or shall I go first?
1: <laughs> I'll let you go first.
0: Let me Mace. go first. Okay, cool. Um, so from from the first episode, uh, my favorite quote is from Anakin. It's just kind of a funny line. He says, uh, you know, when I show off, uh, it is instructive and inspiring. And he's, of course, talking about, you know, when, when Mace and him have to leave the clone trooper or the clone cadets, you know, mace basically says you know you seem more uh disappointed than than the cadets and anakin goes on about you know well it's our job to instruct and inspire and then uh and mace just says you you want to show off and then when anakin says when i show off it is instructive and <laughs> inspiring and it's just uh, a <laughs> classic anakin classic uh, overconfidence and then i'll take another one from from that episode as well anyway he says uh when the uh, the one clone, I think Jax, the one the one clone cadet who was played by D. Bradley Baker, the rest were played uh, by Daniel Logan, says, uh, if he is like us, he'll he'll realize he's wrong, and he's talking about Boba Fett after he mm. abandoned them, and you know there is a bit of that at the end of the, this arc, I think. There's a bit of that, um, and then for this next one, it's a little exchange between uh, Anakin and Mace uh, talking about their droids. And uh, Mace says, your astromech is programmed to feel, to which Anakin replies, R2 is a kind of a special case. He's got a lot of personality, that's all. <laughs> and so it, it's just, you know, a little bit of love for R2-D2. We can't go through this ep- this arc without one good quote about how awesome R2 is. <laughs> uh, because let's be honest, he, without R2, I mean, Anakin and Mace were in pretty desperate situation in, in, in R2 Come Home. They were... Pretty much doomed, <laughs> and then uh, from the from the uh, the final arc, uh, or the final episode uh, between uh, uh, Ahsoka and Plo Koon, uh when Ahsoka asks, "Shouldn't we be headed to the last place we knew we know Boba Fett was spotted?" and Plo Koon replies with, "Why head to the one place we know he's not?" and uh, just we talked about why that was a great line, you know, just sort of that, you know, some writer who has obviously, whoever wrote this arc, I'm sorry, I don't know their name off the top of my head, uh, has obviously seen that happen in one too many movies and was like, you know, that's really <laughs> ridiculous. I'm going to put some, I'm going to have Plo Koon comments on that. Yeah. And it was great. So how about you? What are your quotes for this week?
1: Yeah, I've got R2 Come Home, one of the quotes there that made me laugh was whilst R2 was dropping objects on these bounty hunters' heads, and things was blowing up in the ship, because <laughs> unbeknownst to the Jedi, um, Anakin Skywalker was like, what was that? And Mace Wind is like, the ship is falling apart around us. <laughs> that just made me laugh, because so ignorant of the situation, and they just think the ship's blowing up at the moment, yeah. which you can understand. And then the other two I've got are from Hondo in Lethal Trackdown, nice. some great ones from Hondo. Uh, One of them is uh, when, when they're about to walk into the bar and Hondo says, come, 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 let us go inside and we can discuss business over a drink like civilized people. I just feel like, well, if that was me, that wouldn't be particularly civilized. (laughs) But uh, but I thought that was quite funny. And the best one that just cracks me up every time is when Aura Singers just executed casters. And then uh, Hondo says, hey, hey, someone scraped that guy off the floor. He sprung a leak. Yes. (laughs) It just makes me laugh. (laughs) Just the callous and uncaring nature of Hondo and Arco comes out in a great line there, I think. What a character. What a character.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right, so that will about wrap things up. It's time for final thoughts and score out of ten. So, Kieran, uh, final thoughts, score out of ten. What'd you think overall?
1: Gonna give this an eight out of ten overall. I think it was it was a brilliant arc overall. It had so many, so many good character arc developments in this, in these episodes. I have to say. Uh, Boba Fett, of course, we touched upon him so much. To see him really evolve from this tragic character into what we will later see as this formidable bounty hunter in uh, Episode 5 and Episode 6, and even Season 4 of the Clone Wars, it starts to emerge as that character. Yeah. Um, as, and we get to see the developing relationship, uh, well, or, or the contrast, I should say, in, in philosophy, particularly between Anakin and Mace Windu, which is obviously interesting to see how they're two. Uh, philosophies always seem to challenge one another and uh, perhaps ominous and foreboding for the, the future of these two characters
0: yeah and, <laughs>
1: and lethal tryto we get to see aura sing and boskin in action because we don't see we don't see much of those characters in, in the prequels at all mean I mean, in the Star Wars saga, we see Boss make an appearance in Episode 5, and Aura Sing make an appearance, and they look like really cool, aesthetic characters, but we get to see them. We get to see what their demeanour, their temperament is, their, their attitude, and how, how they actually go about their business as Bounty Hunters, which is really, really exciting. And the fact that this was just a, I guess... Derivation of the war doesn't quite make sense, but basically it's a storyline that doesn't just focus upon the separatists and the republic. We actually get to see a storyline which is outside of the battlefront, which is, which is really what I've alluded to before is something that the Jedi probably got up to before the Clone Wars. So I think it's just really intriguing to see that they still carried out and um, were implemented and applied themselves to to these missions as well. So uh, overall, as well, the music, as you've said, with the Boba Fett theme was amazing as well. Just just to really really link onto that and attach yourself to that as as the theme for Boba Fett. Really great shout, out. must be must be applauded to Kevin Kleiner, yes. Um Obviously, fantastic musical scores. Overall, 8 out of 10, great arc. Not much I can say bad about it, I have to say.
0: Yeah, I'm going to actually go ahead and give this one a 10 out of 10. It was absolutely one of my favorite arcs from the entire series. Uh, for the longest time, Lethal Trackdown was my favorite episode. Um, it was so cool to see Boba again. I love the way they played it where, you know... If you didn't know that was Boba Fett, you didn't know up until he said it was his name, there was no, you know, they didn't reveal it in the Tom Kane narration, there wasn't any, you know, Boba Fett is attacking Mace Windu, you know, in the first episode. <laughs> it, it, it played out so well. And then to, to see Aura Sing and just how perfectly evil she was and to, to get to see some see Bosk in a little bit of action and there's some some great comedy from Castus, and, and of course R2 being the hero in the second episode. Plo Koon and Ahsoka on a mission together was, was fantastic and it was very interesting to see Plo Koon and Ahsoka on a mission compared to Anakin and Ahsoka on a mission. That was fascinating to see, it was just so much fun, Uh, fantastic arc, absolutely 10 out of 10. Uh, It was amazing. Alright, so thank you everybody for listening. Uh, don't forget you can catch the show every other Tuesday uh, by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by liking us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Clone Wars Strikes Back. You can also follow us on Twitter at TCW Strikes Back. Uh, you can never miss an episode of this show or my other show, the Star Wars Underworld Podcast, by subscribing to the Star Wars Underworld iTunes feed. Uh, don't forget you can listen to the Star Wars Underworld Podcast every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern, on channel1138.com or on the aforementioned iTunes feed on Fridays. And hey, if you want to leave a review of this show or that show or both shows, uh, we'd love, if, love it if you did that. Uh, you can send us your thoughts on, uh, the next episodes that we'll be discussing or these episodes, uh, by sending an email to clonenwarsstrikesback at gmail.com. Next time, we've got some interesting episodes. <laughs> we have Corruption, uh-huh. the Academy. And uh, to, to round it out, so we have three episodes to talk about, we'll also be discussing Assassin. So at least there's there's one good one in there. We'll we'll be dealing with the uh, with the fallout from from this 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 arc and uh, everything that went down with Aura Singh. Uh, you can also you can follow me personally on Twitter at dominicj 25 You can follow Kieran at C Duggan6. Uh, thank you everybody for listening, and may the force be with you. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the six-year history of Star Wars The Clone Wars by discussing each and every episode and episode arc. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, to discuss these episodes is my good friend and co-host, Kieran! Kieran! Oh, God! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I left
1: my mic off. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> no, I did that as a little prank. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'll uh, be oh. nice. No. no, I
0: I I've I've legitimately done that accidentally <laughs> <laughs> several times. <laughs> I'll turn my mic off, you know, to do the the, the intro on the SWU podcast, and then Chris will be like, and Dominic's here, and I'll be like, and hello everybody, and blah blah blah, and there'll just be silence, and Chris will be like, Dominic, Dominic, turn your mic on! <laughs> I'm like oh shoot! Ah.
1: A laugh a day keeps the something away, anyway.
0: It keeps it, keeps, it keeps away. the I don't know, I don't know what it, what does it keep away? I just I don't know.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> get zapped by your sonic screwdriver. Yeah, all right. In okay, fairness, I did need that moment because I was still laughing in the He's background. Still laughing, so
0: still laughing about, right, the, about the elephant, there, elephant noises. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> oh, all right, I'll stop that now. Alright. Yeah. Serious! Serious. Hey! Right.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, I just realized there might be people outside now, I'm, I'm making barking. <laughs> <And>
0: people, <laughs> people just walking in, big, what the hell is he doing? He's just walking by and they are... Ruff, 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 ruff. What? what? What is going on? Alright. Three. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, Kieran, do you have episode descriptions for us?
1: I do indeed, Dominic. Death trap. A young boy.
0: <laughs> what? What is so funny about that? <laughs>
1: I'm so sorry. I just went halfway through that, and I could just see myself laughing, and I tried to stop it. <laughs> I don't know why, because I just went a a young boy. Oh, I am so sorry, right? I'm literally <laughs> going to be focused
0: now. Okay. Uh, Mm. Yeah, oh my god! i just add one last name. Just... Woo! Okay. You're
1: horrible. Alright. <laughs> Alright, well, I'm ready now. just blown my nose. I'm fine now. Okay. Bye. Okay.
0: You go. You, you just say the episode description. So. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Episode's <laughs> not... <laughs>
1: okay. Episode's not... Okay. Hi. Okay. 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 Just
0: say, yes! Yes, I am. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay, I just said, do you have episode descriptions for us? And... Action! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so
1: sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Right, right, that's it. Say it. Right, silence. <laughs> Five. I do indeed, Dominic. Death Trap. A young boy... wages well,
0: War. just wore... <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, I don't usually have this, no, but I've got a bit of giggles now. Don't, don't pause there! <laughs> <laughs> don't keep going. Okay. So, thank everybody for listening. Don't forget, you can catch this show just about each and every other Tuesday <laughs> uh, on Channel 1138. Uh, what the f***? <laughs> um, that was the wrong thing to say. <laughs> I, oh, I am I oh, thought that's <laughs> I am off today. I don't know what is wrong with me. Hold on, oh, let me. Serves me right for trying to do this without notes. Give me a second. that was stupid. I'm not gonna say that. I'm gonna cut that whole th- that whole segment out. That's stupid as hell. I was like, I'm trying to, i to, how to put this into write the words right way, but didn't didn't work out.